There we are. So in this idea of thinking, I'd say there's uh, three ways that you can go about thinking. One is with the head, one is with the heart, and one is using both in a balanced way. And balance is part of the process. Now there's different kinds of thinking. There's inductive, deductive, analytical, and uh, heart thinking. Uh, in the brain thinking, you, you can deduce things by reducing, uh, reducing an idea to its essence and considering it. But you've also have your experiences to call on, which help you to examine and balance out against your own experiences, the truth of something. So question for you, what makes something true? How truthiness can something be? by doing something and then you experience it? Okay, so empirically, it's an experiment. Let us test this to see what the results are and then do it again to see if we get the same results or different results. That way we can determine the truth of it. That's science. Excellent, good choice. What's another way to, to determine the truthiness of something? investigation and knowledge bringing those two together okay so looking at what other people have discovered about it yes okay that's uh ilm al-yakin and then there's ayin al-yakin which is the observation uh knowledge is what's been gathered up to this moment through uh, experiences of other people, uh, hearsay, books, documentaries, um, ex you know, what, what you, as you consult with others. And then the Ayn al-Yakin al is the observation with your own eyes about the relative truth or falseness of something. Then we have Haq al-Yakin, which is direct heart knowledge. Mm -hmm. Right now we're just talking brain knowledge, head, the head knowledge kinds of things. Um, there's, uh, through education, there's learning how to observe things. You know, in this culture, we have so many, <laughs> so kind of a waterfall of information that one of the things that's missing in our education system is how to filter and, and how to examine something given the, uh, what would you call it? Just this avalanche and cascade of data. So, you know, how do you sift through this to discover whether something's true or not? So there's all this ilm, this knowledge. Some of it is true, some of it's false, some of it's contextual, some of it is is uh, built to um, 
a, to make you feel a certain way or make you think a certain way if you don't apply these filters, meaning verification kinds of things. How do you verify something that's true? Are you thinking? What do you think, Alameen? Sometimes it tends to like kind of overlap, isn't it? Because sometimes you have learned or been taught by someone, but you haven't experienced it. On the other side, you basically mm -hmm. have experienced it, some mm -hmm. aspects of it, and then you kind of put two and two that's together. Right. And that's right. That's that's the deduction. That's where you're putting these different pieces together to, to form a more complete picture. You haven't 100% experienced it as yet. So. How could you? Yeah, you don't, yeah. There's no way to, yeah. to do that yeah. because Allah is complete and whole and we aren't. And we, because we're limited, we can never really know everything about something, about anything. So, so we have to factor in that, you know, even if we think, okay, well, this is how this works and this is the physics of this. And then we discover that there's a quantum uh, way of looking at these things that totally defy everything that Newton put together. This is still science, but it's kind of like, turns it on its head and goes, uh, I don't know anything about this. And the physicists who are studying quanta have no idea if it's true or not. Uh, they've tested things and they've discovered uh, quantum entanglement, for example, which is this little electron here is going to act the same as this electron that's in a completely different part of the universe, but they're going to act exactly at the same time in the same way. How that's possible, that's quantum, which kind of blows everything that, that we figure in a Newtonian universe is true, is not applicable here in tiny land. <laughs> so so truth, truth is ever evolving and our idea about what, what is true is changing. So uh, as limited human beings, how do we deal with thinking and making decisions? All I mean? Um, yeah, just just thinking about yeah, uh, thinking and making decisions. So it can be a bit like trial and error, going going to being our own scientific experiment mm -hmm. and, and by um, yeah by reflecting putting something into action cause and effect um, the by that that you can see whether something's true for you good okay so testing mm. testing something and assessing the uh, uh, the results of the test and determining whether they are helpful or not. Uh -huh. Good. I like it. <laughs> mm. it's, it's just, just, yeah, just an extension of that, just reflecting on how, um, 
becoming, you know, becoming attached, uh, the notion of becoming attached and too rigid. So um, lately I've been, you know, like for instance with Salat um, and whether even physical practices or physical exercises, I can get into a very rigid, uh, very regimented Mm-hmm. And in one way, um, that's good, I think, for my discipline. But um, at the moment, I'm hanging into that. Is things still okay? You know, am I still okay with Allah? You know, or, um, how does that, you know, what, what, are, what, what am I noticing? What am I observing out of that if I, you know, if, if I don't do Salat, um, but yet I'm still connected? Um, and also, um, if, for instance, in, if for one days, if I'm ha- not doing some sort of exercise, what does that mean um, for me? So, to me, does that make sense? <laughs> uh, it kind of, it kind of um, uh, jammed out. a bit at the end. Oh, oh. So, Am I, yeah. Go ahead. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just the, just the notion of um, sometimes becoming attached and too rigid. Um, so going on, going on sometimes expectations and um, what you should do. Um, so how true is that for me as compared to if I take a step back and sort of say, well, um, if I, if I take another step this way, um, then yeah, how true, you know, how true is it? Or, uh, I, I know what I'm talking, I'm supposed specifically what I'm talking about is my connection to Allah, um, and connection to, to, to the divine in with my own practices and my own focus. Maybe I've gone a little bit off center there. If I understand you correctly, you're you're saying that um, there, it's kind of a, cons, cons, a consistent assessing of your status and your connection. Yes, thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Interesting. All right. Uh, I think also what what I get from this is that we don't know absolutely. So we have to kind of have a a give and take going on of going, well, this is true at this time and in this place, but I never have enough information to to be absolutely sure. So keeping a, a, um, a little bit of an open door policy of like, all I've got is what I've got and that can change. Oh. And, and actually this goes back to uh, something I've talked about before about gnosis, gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. Gnosis is the Greek word for where we get knowledge why it has why it goes from a G to a K. Uh, it's the same thing. It, it's understanding of 
of knowledge, but gnosis is the idea of uh, truth that is experienced and is manifested in our whole being. Now, the things that we know are not that many. And by knowing, I'm talking about uh, knowing this experientially and in every part of your body. Well, you know, you love your kids unconditionally. You know that. Nobody can take that away from you. That's something you know. That's true. But anything else like, uh, do we have enough toilet paper? <laughs> you know, that's, you know, don't know. Um, what about how the universe was formed? Was it a big bang? Well, we don't know. There's other theories coming in right now. That this, that this universe was the result of another universe coming through a black hole. What? Oh, that's completely different. Okay, then we don't really know. We can only assume until we have more information. So as a human being, how do you live in a world where everything is flexible? It's, it's fluid. Knowledge is fluid. How do you deal with that? Good question, huh? <laughs> leave that door open, at least, or leave the door ajar. Yes. So you can be willing to accept when that other piece comes through the door. That's right, or escape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The only escape is basically if you made a wrong assumption. <laughs> then, Throw that piece of information out. Yeah, then you have to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So check on that, you know. The, the personal, you know, you mean, we all tend to do a bit of planning, yeah? Like, you know, for the next day or next two days. That's or right. even something for your career-wise or something like that. Yeah. So it so happened, like, in personal circumstances where I thought, oh, okay, you know, this is the way it's going to play out, blah, blah, blah. And then it's kind of been, like, stagnant for, like, two days. And... Bushka, there is something new completely comes out of the blues and changes your whole thinking process mm -hmm. and says if you went down your, that track, you'd have been in great disaster. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? So, um, so kind of reinforcing that, hey, there is someone or something out there that knows better than you. That's right. And, and this is where we get into the really big Sufi ideas of trust and surrender. Because to trust Allah means an enormous amount of giving up one's personal will. Not that you need, you need it to get things done, of course, in this world. You need to go and do jobs and stuff uh, and take care of what needs to be done. But the idea of surrender and trusting, the, the trust and surrender go together. You can't have one without the other. And the more that you can trust Allah, because that is where the truth is, and that's where reality is revealed, as you've discovered, then the more that you can surrender to that, 
And then the more you surrender to it, the more you can trust it because it begins to become obvious that that's real. So it's a kind of a, a loop that you enter into. And this is uh, the testing that we do when we begin on this path. We're testing to see, can I trust Allah? Because if you want truth, that's where it is. But it may not be what you expect. Oh. Mm. But most instances, that's a better situation. Ah, that's being smart. <laughs> right? If you're smart, you see, it seems that Allah is always the winner. No matter, if, no matter what I come up with. Yeah, that's right. Allah has a better idea, so why not go with the winner? But then there's the nafs that go, no, I'm the center of the universe, and I deserve what I need, and I ought to get what I want. <laughs> but, and that's, but sometimes I get it so black and white, you can kind of see, hey, look, that solution that came through is better than, a thousand times better than what you had kind of internalized our plan for you. Huh? Yes, and that's that's where we learn Allahu Akbar. No matter what you think, Allah's going to have a better idea. And that's, that's once again, where trust and surrender evolve spirally upwards, and you gain more and more trust, and through that, you gain wisdom. And here's where I wanted to get to. Wisdom, to me, at this moment in time, the 25th of October in bloody Australia, is <laughs> that it's a balance of the heart and the head. That sometimes you need the head to work things out, what Jake Tanner calls the onboard computer, because it only has what's been fed into it. Whereas the heart has all the other information and will get that information when it's needed. But learning how to trust the heart is also that aspect of learning how to trust the law. It's the same thing. Oh. So, so Sheikh, when we're receiving information through our senses, is that filtered through the head and the heart or specifically the heart or specifically the head? Well, it's coming into the body. Oh. It's data. And uh, depending, okay, and this is where the, the seven stages or macams come into, into play because where that information is coming in and where you, your awareness is at is how you process that information. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, at certain levels, uh, in the beginning levels, it's just, I want and I need and I hate this and I don't like that and you go away and I need, I need my space. <laughs> right? Yep. Okay. Now, later on, this and, and the other part of that is that there's all these other paradigms in play because they've not been dealt with appropriately and effectively. Those things are cultural paradigms, meaning like I have a language, I have a culture, I have specific food, I have specific things I wear, specific places I go, because that's how this culture works. 
so I do things appropriately to this culture. Uh -huh. And if things don't fit into that culture, that is, well, we get, what's that called? Xeno, uh, phobia, where you are afraid of alien things, things outside your culture. And if you're afraid of them, then you uh, will hate them. So, uh, so there's data that's coming in that's going through the cultural filters and, and, and kicking into play uh, knee-jerk reactions at, at the beginning levels. Later on, if you've, if you've been working on your NAFs and dealing with all this uh, 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 effluvia, <laughs> it's it's going to become more clear. Well, this is data I can use, that I can't use right now, and this isn't mine, that's yours. Hmm. Yep. Okay. So it's a good question. Uh, so it depends on where, where your awareness is and what you've worked on. Okay. So, so and this is why I was talking also about filters, because it, you know, we're bombarded by advertising all the time. If you haven't learned how to read an advertisement, then it will seem like, ooh, I want that kind of toothpaste because this star or this AFL <laughs> personality loves it, so I should love it too. Hmm. You know, rather than saying, well, that's called identification and, uh, and, the, I, you want to identify with a star, uh, or it could be through sex, or it could be through uh, popularity, you know, fame, any of the nefs. Oh. If you ever learn how to read advertisement with, with the nefs filter, then it becomes, oh, I like that shaving cream, because he uses it. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What? We were doing the, <laughs> they've been wanted the kitchen cupboards to be, to be painted because you saw on better homes and gardens. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right way. <laughs> I like to have that, you know, I like to have that. I want that, you know. <laughs> Went and did a few panels, hated it. <laughs> I initially said, let's keep the varnish, but probably go a little bit of a different color. Okay. So, so finally, when we painted, it actually doubled my work because now I had to go and strip it back. Oh, bare, bare wood. <laughs> so, bed holes and guns on the door, back to varnishing. <laughs> oh, wood looks nice. Wood looks nice, and the varnishing looks nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was the no filter with <laughs> bed homes and guns. Exactly. So that's what I'm talking about. Is like, do you? Are your filters in place? Have you learned how to read how people are trying to influence you? In, the, in that way, you can think and assess and then move forward in a way that's smart. Hmm. So that's, that's on a uh, practical world level. Then there's the spiritual level where you're looking at teachers or teachings or religion or something and you're looking at it and going, is this applicable spiritually? Now, once again, depending on what level or macam you're in, 
it can be very seductive. Mm. And you can be drawn into a cult, a religion, a, a spiritual teacher who's charismatic, uh, and, and for a long time gets, get lost in this, which is okay if you approach it from the way that I'm learning something here. What I learned was, and I went to my sheikh about this and said, listen, I got stuck in a cult and I got, I met all these spiritual teachers and, and he said to me, and, and I thought I'd been wasting my time. You know, I thought, well, that was such a waste. And he said, no, I don't think so. And I went, what? He said, well, now you know the difference between truth and falsehood, a true teacher and a false teacher. You know what they look like. You've experienced it. In other words, I gained gnosis, uh, a knowledge experientially of what is true and false. That I can distinguish now when somebody's telling the truth in a spiritual context and when somebody is bull. <clears throat> but I couldn't know that unless I had walked the path of spiritual naivety, which is like you know, the levels. You, you experience that in the third level. You become really uh, open-eyed and like, wow, spiritual things are all really good. And then you realize, no, they're not. So, ge so general... That's absurd, ge isn't it? Because the thing is that you probably had the awareness, right? Or like you have the awareness, right? A little bit. But in some cases, some people do not have that luxury of deciphering between what is right and wrong, and then they go on to it, and then they come totally screwed up. Um, yes, that is part of what's going to happen. So then you have to figure out, well, what is my part in this, right? That's, you're, you're saying, you're getting involved in a cult. Don't join them. But is that your job? But you don't know at that time. You, well, if you're, it depends on your role in this. If if you're an advisor to this person, as opposed to the person themselves, are, are you asking if? Let's say you went as a as a as a student, okay, wanting to know, like you, you yeah. know, someone said, "Oh, look, nice mm -hmm. spiritual good things mm -hmm. are happening here. You need to come with us." Yeah. You know, and you go and join blindly, and then finally you do not know yourself, but you have been kind of totally brainwashed and screwed up, and then That's you right. come a total wreck on the other side. <laughs> and then, That's right. how do you come out of that? And you know, well, so this is where you, this is how you get to the next level, and that is when you ask for help. If you think you can do this all on your own, then this is what's going to happen. Uh. And that was me. I thought I could do this all on my own. And I went, I'm going to join this group and got totally messed over and brainwashed and everything. And I came out of it going, I need help. I have no idea what I'm doing. And that means that you're ready for the next Macan. But then some people have then uh, uh, to go to that next level or next Macan have a trust issue now because that's right. someone's broken your trust. Absolutely. Step, right? And that's the way I was. And that's when I went to my sheikh. And I said, 
I have issues and you better answer these properly or I'm done. I'm out of here. I had a whole list of things, you know, and I was looking, is he going to get charismatic on me? Is he going to say sweet little things that make me feel good? Or is he going to tell me, you know, put me on the right road? You know, it makes you really wary. And I was burned. And if he didn't answer any one of these 19 questions properly, I was gone. I was not going to need it. But that's me. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So how, how do you come from that non-awareness to, to that awareness stage? How do you kind yeah. of... Yeah. Well, this is, once again, gathering as much information as you can. Because right. I'd read almost every book I could find. And I, once again, when you're ready, this stuff comes to you, if you trust it. Hmm. Um. Shake, I was going to ask a question before. Um, I'm not sure if you can talk about it or not, but just wanted to see if you could talk a little bit more about... Um, the the different uh, rules, the different souls, the Sultani rule and the Rouhani rule, and and there's some readings from Sun Rise in the West um, and some of the other Sheikh Tanner's books, but I'm not sure if you're able to talk a little bit about each one and their their uh, as they say their business in the world or okay. in the spiritual world. Yeah, the uh, the physical. There's four hearts. Mm. Uh, known as the ruse, and the first is the physical heart, which is uh, our way that we stay alive in this world. Within that heart is a spiritual heart, and this is the heart that's connected to the angels and the angelic world, meaning that's that's your your entry level into things spiritual and that can connect you with different uh, uh, different realizations about how things work. So in some ways, those four hearts connect with the uh, four um, levels of Sharia, Tarika, Hakika, and Marifa. Right. Okay, so the Sharia is the physical heart, Tarika could be the spiritual heart. Hakika is related to the heart of the archangelic realm. In other words, this is also the place where you can connect with the prophets and with the saints and the peers, and you can begin to see the reality of the spirituality behind everything. In other words, you're seeing Allah's manifestations. That's why we study uh, the 99 names, Asma Husna, so that you can experience the, the, ap, the aspect of Allah that's behind everything. So you're looking behind appearances. And behind those appearances are aspects of Allah that are in play. By learning that and by seeing it, you are in truth interfacing with Allah in a way that shows you that you can trust Allah, 
because those laws remain constant. This is part of how you learn about trust and surrender. By studying the law's names, you see them in play. Right. Uh, so any name you take, you can see it and see it in play in the natural world. And then you can also see how it relates to the angelic world and the archangelic world. In other words, with the prophets. <coughs> Saints. <coughs> so I'm sure I told as others, because Allah is infinite, you know, so the makams are going to be infinite as well. How does one know in which makam you are in there? Well, Sheikh knows. Okay. But you as a... You, as a... you can, usually it's through how you are perceiving the world. Right. And each makam has traps that you begin to see, I am attached to this. And that also is a way. Also, there's certain dreams that you have, and there's certain aspirations uh, that you, you want uh, that also indicate where you're at. So, so Sheikh, can you, can you have different, um, through the different rules and the different um, um, centers, can you experience uh, different sensations or like a, like a, like a rabata through the different latifs? Or? Sure, sure. Oh. I haven't finished yet. I, oh, sorry. It, I oh. did get to uh, the Sir al Sir room. Mm -hmm. The secret of secrets is the, the heart that's connected to Allah directly. Oh. And in the way that... And this is where, where English kind of gives out because it's really hard to talk about this stuff, uh, spiritual truths in a way that <laughs> uh, uh, words, words don't work, that <laughs> we know. So I'll try the best I can. The idea of Sir al-Sir and, and Marifat is as though the Quran is still being written at this moment, in this present moment, and that you are connected with that, and that is the reality, and that every moment has a perfection to it, that <coughs> that's, that Allah is manifesting around you and through you. Cool. That's about as good as I can get with the English words. Thank you. So you said the fourth um, heart? That's zero. 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 Okay, does that help? Yes, thanks. Yeah, this is probably a further question, but I might at another time yeah, speak to you. Yeah. Yeah, um, with each of these hearts, there's also um, the sense perceptions of that level. Just as we have touch, taste, sight, and sound, uh, uh, the six senses, 
With the heart, there are more senses. In each of those levels, there are that many more senses. Mm. So would that be, when you talk about the, the six senses, are they at the physical level, Shai? Are they sub-levels of the physical heart? In a way, but, and, the, and more. Mm. For example, uh, in say the, uh, the angelic heart, the second heart, you can talk to somebody with your heart. You can touch someone with your heart. And we have sayings of this in English. I don't know what it is in other languages, but you can say, and I, I felt like he heard me with his heart. He listened with his heart. He spoke from his heart. From his heart. So these, these sensations are part of our culture and we talk about them, but we don't understand that this is from these realms. Okay. It's interesting because um, public speaking used to be a kind of a, you could kind of, one could actually boil an egg next to my ears, like public speaking was such a tough gig, like for me yeah. to talk. And then from that, actually, if you know 25% of the subject matter rather than the whole of the subject matter, and you speak from, the, from that heart and that passion that comes with it, there has been a bigger connection mm -hmm. than actually speaking from your mind like. That's right. That's right. But you need language. You need things from the physical self. Yeah. But the heart is a thing that can communicate the depth of it mm. and touch another person's heart. And that's another sense. You touch someone with your heart. And that affirmation is when others come and say, hey, what you said was absolutely spot on or because something. Because you like touched that. their heart. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. oh. Oh. And also says that you don't need to know everything. You need to know some things of that matter or the experiences that you've gone through that. And or, then you... or another way, as my sheikh would say, you have a message for somebody. And you're, you're just the postman, you're delivering. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Yasmin, you haven't said anything for a while. Mm. Um, well, Mike, if, if I brought up a topic, it would be quite different, but it's still on the truth. Um, you know how there's a saying, the truth hurts. It can. It can also relieve. Yeah. So people, I find, generally are cautious about being honest. They find it very difficult to say yes or no. Or, you know, um, be able to say what they want to say just in case they upset you. Is there a question here? Yes, yeah, so so I'm guessing that in this discussion, all one can do is be true to oneself. It uh, there's another answer to this, if I might. It's depending on your level of awareness. 
that uh, it's at one level, yes, being honest to yourself is good. On another level, it could be saying something that helps the other person feel safe and comfortable. Because what if, if I'm in that level, then what I need to do is take into account where you're at and what you need at this moment and let you know what that is rather than trying to think about me, I'm thinking about you. Interesting point here because um, I, I, I come across this quite a lot in the corporate world actually, mm. where they don't tell you what they're thinking actually. <laughs> Right. And uh, to put it bluntly, it shits me because like, later you come to know, hey, this guy was actually thinking about something totally opposite to what he actually told you and they're not being sincere about it. Mm. And it happens a lot in a sales capacity as well. Absolutely. You know? yeah. um, if somebody makes a trade inquiry, you, you, know, you put in the effort, you send them the information, but then they don't even bother to say, gone with someone else, you know, whatever. So it's like... It's kind of like a false pretense, shake because they make you feel that, yeah, you know, what you said was right. Yeah, we are with you on it sort of thing. And then totally it falls completely on its face. Yeah, well, that's business. (laughs) (laughs) That's one one way to look at it. Okay, it's just how people do business. Okay. The second part of this, as as a Sufi, what you're trying to do is learn how to listen. And 10% of information is words. 90% is all the other stuff. Now, if you're listening to the words, you're going to get, uh, uh, what's the word? Lied to. <laughs> That's, they're not true. Words aren't true. And it's very rare that somebody actually speaks words that, res- that correspond to what they're thinking. Especially salespeople. Sales is a whole other thing. And a good salesman will get you, or a saleswoman, will get you to talk. And get you talking so that they can learn what you need and then supply it so you make the sale so you know why when a salesperson says trust me you don't trust no no (laughs) that is exactly so so your job is to figure out okay and this is you listening to your heart and we're going in a like this is about the third or fourth level macomb you're hearing what their words are and then you're looking at their heart or their aura or their whatever, whatever's going on, your, their body posture, their pitch, how fast they're talking, what their eyes are doing. You are taking in all this data to ascertain the amount of veracity in this person's speech. Cool. Now, as a therapist, that is your job. A person's going to say, look, I, I, I really have a problem with my wife. She's really, you know, I'm really, and what he's really saying, I have a problem with my mother. <laughs> right? 
Right. Spot on. <laughs> so, so you need to, to learn how to interpret talking talk. When a person is talking, listen to it in a meta view. In other words, like I, like I just said, what kind of uh, pace are they talking in? Are they talking from their heart or are they talking from their head? Are they talking so that if they keep talking that they won't stop and they just keep talking? Because if they stop talking, that means that they'll have to listen to the stuff and they really don't want to listen. They just want to hear more about them talking because they enjoy themselves talking. If they have to stop talking, that means that they have to think about themselves. And, you know, I don't want to think about myself. I want to think about you. And I want to give you as much as I can and have you not think about me. What do you, what do, what do you think? Uh, what's, oh, what's your opinion, Sheikh, when... I mean, I've got my own theories when you're confronted with someone who that continually keeps talking, but it's not because they want to talk about themselves, but it's more of an anxiety provoking thing where they just can't stop talking because if they stop talking, then, you know, they'll feel uneasy. Um, this, this is a specific case. And I, mm. I don't know the person specifically you're talking about. Mm. However, my experience is, Sometimes, well, what you really want to do is have the person feel safe oh. and listened to. Oh. So sometimes, for oh. some people, listening actively, oh. meaning you're feeding back, okay, I understand you to say that you, you have an anxiety about cushions. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I really hate cushions. I can't have them. I can't abide them anywhere in the house. I really, and you, you allow them to get it all out until they feel like they have been heard. Oh. At which point they will stop talking when they oh. realize they, that you've heard them. And oh. very often, in my experience, that's when the person will break down and go, oh, I don't believe anybody's ever listened to me before. <laughs> Thank you so much. And you go, to yourself, I haven't done anything, but uh -uh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad yep. to feel that way. And, yep. and, and what they are doing is unburdening their heart. And that's part of your job as a therapist as well. Yeah. And I think one of my challenges is, is that like therapeutically, when seeing someone, that's exactly what um, you know, I feel like needs needs to happen. But my challenge is, is that sometimes I'm confronted with people, whether it may be friends or family members who have that, you know, that, and I, I see it as an anxiety that they need to continually talk and they may not be aware of it, but they're just continually filling in the spaces. And I'm sort of sitting with, okay, do I let, you know, do you sort of go into therapist mode and let this person extinguish? Um, but as soon as you sort of do that, I, automatically feel that they're going to be uneasy with the quiet space or being extinguished. So um, I'm sort of buying into the game. If you, yes, yes, you are. Yeah. You're the script. You're yeah. in pain. Yeah. And, and they're expecting you to relieve the pain or they're just kind of reading from the script because it, it seems to have always worked that way. Yeah. Now, this so, is, you need to, you need to learn. Yeah. Put up a boundary. You need to have boundaries, dude. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, these are my office hours. 
<laughs> or you can say, thank you and walk away. Yep. Yep. Or, yeah. or you can say, do you really need to talk about this? Do you want me to listen to you? Mm. Because I've heard this before and I'm mm. not interested unless you either pay me <laughs> or, or you, you unburden yourself in some way. Yeah. Uh, so this, this requires you to do this in a good adob way. Sure. Yeah. You need to ascertain whether this person is in serious pain or is just acting out out of a loop of like, mm. I hurt. You listen. Mm. I hurt. You listen. You know. It's kind of like, mm, mm. Yeah, I'm just thinking about one particular family member who it's exactly there. It's a loop, but they're also hurting, and I'm like, well, you know, is it my is it my job, or is it my you know is it my role to try and help them, or do I just try and stay out of the yeah, way? You may, you may need. You need. Uh, I've, I've had this experience before, mm. and. This is where, as a Sufi, you need to listen to your heart yeah. and ask it, what does this person really need? Mm. Does it help them for me to stand here and listen to this crap? Or mm. should I reach out and put my hand on their shoulder or give them a hug or say, you know, here's, a here's the name of a therapist I know. Mm. Help you, I think, or she. And... Uh, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, make an assessment with your heart. Sure. About yep. what this person needs. Yeah. That's your job. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Because I think what I've been doing, I think I've just been getting in the way and being doing what's, ex you know, the expectation of that <laughs> other person. I might, I might, I would say you want to fix them. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I really not what's that, that's not going to work. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Shake, um, so interviews are quite, quite interesting mm. because of these people putting a facade, if you want to call it. You know, they, they're not truthfully saying to you. They ask you a bunch of questions. Mm. You go and ask. You try to do your best. You try to impress them. And you also ask them, oh, have I answered your questions? Or if you, if you want me to clarify, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you answered everything well. Um, okay, we are, you know, Eric. And then you think that, or you ask them, oh, you know, look, you know, do you see me um, that I can actually come and help your organization to do something, etc., and help you guys? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kind of made, they make you feel that you're, even though they're looking at other candidates, that you might have a fit there. And it's come to a stage where I kind of go and do, I kind of now go and do my best and basically don't care what the ultimate answer is. I basically have kind of come to the stage where I'm saying, no matter what, what you guys are saying or, or, or done, I'm going to leave it in the hands of Allah. Mm -hmm. The rizik is going to come from him and mm -hmm. I don't care whether I pass the interview mm -hmm. or but if it is meant to be, I'll get that job. If it mm -hmm. is not, it's not. I kind of, kind of. Because they already may have their eye on some other candidate. That... Exactly. So it's yeah. beyond. Yeah, it's no point in thinking and depressing yourself and you know killing exactly. yourself. So yeah, I'm kind of at that stage with regards to interviews. And if you, whatever happens, happens. 
can you do it? <laughs> There's nothing you can do. Yeah. You, you can learn from each one and go, you know, and do better yeah. and learn. But that's a that's the disattachment from the outcome. In other words, the investment yeah. is where you 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 want to leave that behind. Yeah, it's hard though. Yeah, but is is it the correct thing to also you know what I'm saying? Look, uh, you do your best yeah, and then leave it. Yeah, yeah. Allah knows when you do your best. Yeah. Allah sees in our hearts and goes, "Are you doing? Are you trying the best you can?" You can see Allah. I'm doing what I can, and then out of somewhere else, the job comes. Mm. It had nothing to do with the interviews or anything. Absolutely, and in fact, this happened last week. Actually, where there was an interview that came. This person had headhunted me through LinkedIn, mm. didn't apply nothing at all, and came out of the blues. And I'm saying, oh, oh, Allah, you know when to give me an. That kind of reinforces that surrender aspect, I mm -hmm. suppose, rather than, yes, you keep on sending applications as sure. much as you can, all that sort of thing, you know, worldly way of doing things. Yeah. And then out comes from the kind of the left field. Exactly. Thing, you know, and that so. happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it reminds me of when, when we were, like, when we were little, actually, there's some kids in the class writing, I'll do my best and God will do the rest. <laughs> just remember that. Oh, there yeah, you from go. like year one, year two thing. <laughs> there you go. All right. Does that help? Yes. Yes, man. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alamin, Rahman, Nirahim, Maliki, Yomadin, Eyakana, Budua, Eyakana, Stain. Idina Sarata Mustakin, Sarata Lazina Namta Lehim, Ayril Makdubi Lehim, Walada Amin. Thank you, Sheikh. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for being Thank here. You. Good to see you. Salam. 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 Bye. Salam, Sheikh. Bye. Salam. Bye. Salam, Bye. Bye. Assalamu alaikum, Marids, seekers, curious, and interested listeners. We appreciate you and are happy to share our Sufi message. Your donation will help support our Sufi center in Sydney, where we do zikr, sobat, spiritual counseling, and healing services. We believe the message should be free, but it costs equipment, rental services software and hardware to get this to you so thank you for choosing our podcast among all the millions available if you go to our website ansarisufiorder.org you will be able to donate through paypal whatever you think this information is worth to you blessings and love the australian ansari sufi order